The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Is it mad that the world burning is not in our, like, top three concerns? You thought bad news was done, but I'm back with more. And Alice Sneddon's Bad News Saves the World. I finally address the climate crisis and explore why no one cares. Watch it on thespinoff.co.nz. I can see the anxiety starting to emit from you. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by Spark Lab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about Spark Lab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Kia ora koutou katoa. Welcome to Business is Boring. Boards and governance have a well-known diversity problem. With large companies, it's obvious to see. But when you get down to the boards of growth companies and startups, where perhaps gender disparity is even more prevalent in the industries, the problems with boards are only compounded. With startups, as the old metaphor goes, you're putting the tracks down as you're driving the locomotive. And startup boards are also often learning as they go, with many newcomers to governance. One group out to help this situation is on board. They support boards to create more diversity, more pathways onto governance, and to help professionalise startup and scale up boards through education, mentorship, and advocacy. Founder and director Cassie McAdams and program director Sophie McLernan both work with venture and growth companies. Cassie is investment and community manager at Movac, one of New Zealand's largest and most established venture capital operators, and Sophie is the growth director at Snowball Effect, one of the largest and most professional sources of private investment capital for businesses. They join me now to talk their journeys to being part of the ecosystem, the work they do with Onboard, and a new piece of research that's helped to put data around the challenges and opportunities facing startup boards. Dena Kordua, thank you for being here. Morning, Simon. Thanks for having us. Kia Simon. Nice to put a face to the name. The man behind the podcast. <laughs> the Simon Pound. <laughs> um, it's so nice to have you both in here. So... We're going to be talking about Onboard a little bit more in detail later, but just before we kind of hear how you put it together, tell us what it is, because it's such a cool initiative, and it's not just a simple kind of um, one thing, is it? So kind of give us the elevator pitch for what Onboard does. Yeah, sure. So we are on a mission to build a pipeline of different startup directors, and we do this by fielding applications from individuals every year who want to begin their governance journey, and we pair them with startup boards who host them for an observer role for a year. And then in the background, as a program, we deliver a suite of half-day workshops and micro-learning sessions throughout the year. So they get the practical experience with the board and the learning experience in the classroom. Tell us a little bit about your your current roles, as they're really interesting kind of like key meeting points with heaps of people in the startup growth ecosystem, eh? working in two different edges of investment capital. Maybe starting with you, Cassie. 
Yeah, sure. So my day job, I think that's the, the main thing to note first is Onboard is our passion project. It's an initiative that we run in our spare time, a couple of hours during the week and the evenings and typically a Saturday or Sunday morning. <laughs> Clearly we hate free time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very people. much like each other's yeah. time. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, my day job is working at Movac, as you noted in your like very good intro. It's a large venture capital firm here in New Zealand. And yeah, my role there is kind of, I guess, similar to what others do in investment teams at other venture capital funds in that we are out meeting founders, meeting companies to assess whether they are suitable for venture capital and then analysing them, proposing the deal. And then once we've decided to invest, we often join the board, which is why there's a great intersection of the onboard programme and my role at Movac. Yeah, awesome. And your work, Sophie, is a kind of different approach to venture capital, hey, and that you're getting capital for ventures, but it's not venture capital. Yeah, exactly. So um, I work for Snowball Effect and I'm a director of growth capital there. Um, Snowball Effect is an investment platform that helps businesses raise capital. But as Cassie was kind of talking to earlier, her venture stage happens to be a little bit earlier. We're more at that growth capital stage. So we're kind of working with businesses that are a little bit more established. They've kind of got product market fit. Um, they're looking to raise maybe 2 to $10 million, which is going to accelerate their growth strategy. And they might be kind of different shaped businesses. Hey, like there's lots of different kinds of businesses that can come through snowball effect, right? Yeah, yeah. We're probably less looking for the moonshot company. And actually those businesses that have got that traction, they're going to succeed. You know, um, snowball effect was started as a crowdfunding platform. So typically we do see quite a lot of consumer businesses, but now we're starting to, as we've kind of grown, and I suppose speaking to that point is that we're more creating um, uh, bespoke capital strategies for businesses. And we're a lot more agnostic in the type of businesses that we raise for, but kind of talking to Cassie's point earlier, and I suppose this is where that governance piece comes in as well, is what we do see is that companies that have got strong governance tend to do better in raising capital and tend to um, often get better terms with it as well. Yeah, like just to kind of round that point out as well, because I think snowball effect is something that maybe lots of people might have interacted with when they've um, oh, popped onto the offer page for Parrot Dog or, you know, seen something that's like, you, you know, like you say, a consumer brand that, you know, is very recognisable. And that that's a very... Um, you, you know, visible side of the business. But then there is that other bit, isn't there, which is like kind of a, a huge network of just investors who who want to like do kind of, like like how much of your stuff is, is, is those kind of public offers and how much of it is the private investment kind of piece? Oh man, it's probably 50% um, public, 50% private now. And um, as I kind of spoke to before, we're that investment platform. So we've probably got the largest database of investors, um, but we've got a really broad network of investors that we work with as well. So whether it's the retail investor, high net worth, family office, um, venture firms like Cassie through to the, to the PE as well. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. You know, we, we right now I'm working with three very different offers. You know, one is for a sparkling water, one is for a super interesting um, maritime intelligence platform. And the other one is a recruitment platform in the legal space. So I think kind of what, you know, excites both of us is these companies, which are just kind of, you're working with a bunch of businesses doing really interesting things. And then on the other side with the investors as well, working mm -hmm. with really interesting people there. 
And with the, those things, like, you know, like the um, sparkling water, for example, they might be looking to take their success in New Zealand and redo it in Australia and raise mm-hmm. a commensurate amount of money for it. But with your work, Cassie, you've got people who are kind of, here's something that's never existed, um, but we think it could kind of change the world. So quite a different chapter. How do you get into that world of venture investment? Yeah, I think, so my, I started my career... I did a law and science in Dunedin, um, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And that continued for quite some time. I sort of just went with the flow, more or less, started out on a mainstream track like many people do, went into PwC, like being an entrepreneur or sliding straight into startups just wasn't a thing for when I finished uni. I think it's like a really clear option and a great option for many people now, which is amazing. Uh, And that took me over to London uh, consulting at PwC and I was working in Deutsche Bank at the time over there and I just the, the bank was going through some pretty rough stuff like they were getting a big slap on the wrist for some like an unethical behavior they the business was making huge redundancies and the guts of the culture just got totally ripped out of the place and it was only a big corporate culture to start <laughs> with right so and at the same time I was sitting at my desk reading about this term called the unicorn that had popped up and I just was fascinated by it I started you know, subscribing to all of these tech uh, newsletters and sort of, yeah, just thought, I don't know what I want to be doing, but this corporate style of work is just not for me. And so my now husband at the time, we decided to take a year out and do an MBA program and pretty much just got a list of the top 10 programs in the world <laughs> up. We're like, okay, bunch of cold places in the US, somewhere on the outskirts of Paris, more of the UK, oh, Madrid. And so that's where we decided to go. And so there was a lot of learning, a lot of navel gazing, a lot of red wine, a lot of tapas. Had a fantastic uh, year and a half there. And pretty early on in the piece, I've learned more about this venture ecosystem, the startup ecosystem, and just doubled down on everything in that space that I could. And everyone said to me, no, 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 no. You, you know, you can't get into venture capital. You need to have a finance background. And I did I did hear that, but I didn't really listen. I didn't really care. I was just there to have a, an exploratory year. I did some extra courses and worked at Fundy Ventures, which was a student um, deal analysis setup. So kind of like cut my teeth on some of that work. And at the conclusion of the program, went back to London. And yeah, I just had a really brutal, it might have been even up to six months actually, and it was really depressing. And what everyone has been winter? telling me was true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Winter. Um, they were right. I was trying to get into a space like venture in London where everyone on paper had huge experience already in that sector. And so I thought, okay, plan B to get in here, I have to network my way in because I'm just not going to stack up. And just got like cold shoulders and closed doors. It was absolutely brutal. Nobody really cared. And good old mum on, on reflection, classic playbook from a mum on this side of the world that wants their kid to move on home. She said, oh, you know, just come home for a couple of weeks, uh, press reset, rethink what's happening here, and you'll go back so much better for it. Followed mum's instructions, came back to New Zealand and... Yeah, once I was here, she said, just pop on down to Auckland. You might meet some people. You might hear about some interesting stuff that's going on. And so I did. And I found the exact opposite to what I did in London. I was reaching out to people with really one-sided requests, like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm here. Could you meet with me and have a coffee? I'd love to hear about you and what you're doing and what's happening here. And 
it was, yeah, it was this really nice feeling. And even like I, Lance Wiggs, who manages Puna Kayaki Ventures, went to his office, made me a homemade coffee and hmm. got the whiteboard out, sketched out the ecosystem. <laughs> he loves the whiteboard. I know. He was like, here's some ways that you could think about breaking in here. It was just, and I just thought, what am I doing wanting to go back to London when I'm, it's going to be short term. The people there don't really care. I've got no connection to people building businesses there. And yeah, decided to move home not after deciding to go back to Europe to send it, really send it for one last <laughs> summer. Had a great old time there. And when I came back to New Zealand, I took a role in at uh, NZTE in the investment team. And that is a really wonderful, wonderful organisation, taking Kiwi businesses to the world. A lot of people returning to New Zealand really identify with that. And it was perfect for me because in the back of my head, I was still really interested in venture investment as a career option. And so I was able to learn about all the hottest startups in town, build those connections um, and with investors as well. Like it's a really critical part of our role. And at the same time, I started thinking about like longer term career stuff here in New Zealand where I know I want to be long term. And I think like many people in, in business in the business world, they think I want to be on a board at some point in my career. Uh, how do I start that or how do I begin, you know, getting ready for that? Not necessarily jumping into it straight away, but it's on their radar as something they're interested in. And of course, being uh, in venture capital, being um, a high impact, positive impact director is critical as well. As I mentioned before, we often take a board seat. So it's a large portion of our time. And um, I think people think of venture as, you know, this like sexy source of capital. But actually, um, once we invest, there's a, that's when the real work begins. That's when the, the effort goes on the board and supporting the company through what a lot of the time is really tough times because they're doing improbable things, really challenging things. And so uh, being there in um, a governance seat is a, a big way that we contribute. And a super responsibility, right? Um, <laughs> like for, for helping make something yeah. Yeah. unlikely happen. You're yeah. and, and you're one of the guiding voices. Yeah, totally. And, and then oh, while I was at NZTE, I was supported into a secondment at Movac mm -hmm. uh, so that I could take some learnings back to NZT and that's how I transitioned over to Movac eventually. Yeah, joined them for a while, loved it, mm -hmm. absolutely loved it. And yeah, found a really good good fit. What was your interest in governance, Sophie? Like, what got you into wanting to be part of the onboard program? Ah, um, it probably I even need to take a step back, actually, mm. because I my career was actually um, really varied mm. as well. Mm -hmm. and, and, and like Cassie, um, what I started out doing, which was a science degree in Dunedin um, and, and spent most of my career in um, wine sales in sort of New Zealand, Australia, Singapore, is very different to what I did now. And, mm. and I actually, before coming on here, I was kind of reflecting and I was like, okay, well, you know, hospitality to startups, quite different, but what are the kind of similar themes that are coming through there? And what I kind of recognized was the things that attract me to the hospitality and to the wine industry and, and therefore to the startup space is kind of this, this curiosity, this connection and, and people and passion, you know, and you've got that in spades in, in both of those. So um, I was working in Singapore um, and Singapore was probably quite a pivotal part to my career of kind of being like, I think I want to make a move. I think I know where I want to go, but I'm not totally sure on how I need to get there. And so, you know, people in Singapore is this really amazing type of person that they're all super driven. They all want to make things happen. You know, Singapore is a really easy place to do business, um, you know, sort of on par with New Zealand in terms of starting a business and, and things like that. And very fortuitously, um, 
a friend of a friend happened to be in Singapore for the Formula One and he had an espresso compatible coffee company. And he was like, oh, I'd love to start this here. And so I got introduced, we started chatting and, you know, next thing you knew, we'd all started a business together. Um, not without from my brother, some clear instruction on a strong shareholders agreement and a constitution, which luckily we never needed to use. But I suppose that was that second point of being like, you know, I love being able to build something. There's something super special about, you know, really working with people that you admire and you respect and are on the same page as you. Um, and, and then the third thing while I was there was I was working with New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, which Cassie mentioned before. Um, and it really is a wonderful organization, like for New Zealand businesses who are exporting, working with them and working with them in the right way, there's, you know, so much value you can get out of them. And so while I was working with them, I was sort of thinking, okay, this feels like this could be the pathway to where I want to get. So um, we were working with New Zealand Trade and Enterprise. Um, you know, you are offshore, you're seeing New Zealand businesses in a global stage, right? And you're sort of thinking, we're so well-respected offshore, um, how, you know, there's this real secret source to Kiwis. And even though we're from this small country in the South Pacific, we're doing a really, really good job. So I moved back to uh, New Zealand in uh, 2019 and I was working in Wynyard Quarter there in the generator and kind of fortuitously things started to happen again. And and I happened to meet um, two guys, Danny and Owen from what is now New Zealand Growth Capital Partners. Mm. And I was talking to them and I sort of was saying, hey, what do you do? And, you know, to that point of kind of this network of people and connections and stuff. And Danny said to me, oh, this is what we do. You know, why don't you talk to this person? Why don't you get introduced to this person? And and I was like, this is, this is really the space that I want to be in, you know? Like, I really love the passion that people have got. At that time, Danny um, had, a, had a fake flower business. Uh, that he was doing, and he's gone now on to to start Basis. Um, so anyway, I went to New Zealand Trade and Enterprise. That was incredible, as Cassie said. Such a good way to kind of see the ecosystem of New Zealand. My thought was that I would try and move into uh, the the tech team or to the investment team, uh, but a role came up with Snowball Effect, and I've been there a year now, and and just absolutely love it. And yeah, it's probably uh, I'll talk to it later on about kind of how I ended up meeting Cassie and, and getting onto on board with her as well. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's still the, it's still the show too long. <laughs> yeah, and it's such it's such a cool space to be in, that kind of space of stitching to, you know, uh, connecting people to the right people and stitching together like a right like kind of like crew of people to help make something happen and, you know, being able to see the best in things but also, um, you know, maybe the concerns that could be in front of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> it's a, such an interesting world but being in that capital, um, that, that capital area. And in terms of that, you know, the, the journey to onboard, Cassie, what was the what was the thing that got you to set up on board and what did you set out to do with it? I think it at its heart, it kind of came from this selfish motivation <laughs> to begin with, in that I was back in New Zealand and I was really interested in governance for you know, building my career in general and searching around and couldn't find anything in the startup space at all. And yeah, talked to a bunch of my peers and equally they had the same desire. And so I thought, okay, well, from a, you know, learner or the observer perspective, there's an absolute gap here. And then I had a couple of quite good insights from my work at NZT as well, because we in the investment team you work with, mountains of companies a year, like 50 companies a year you have touch points with, let alone like the wider team. And so I could see what was happening on the boards of those companies. And I thought there's a couple of issues here. One is capacity. So we're we're on 
the start here locally of real acceleration. A lot more companies are getting produced every year. There's better quality companies, better quality people, more capital, and there's just the same pool of directors. And so we just need more directors um, full stop. And also we need them to be a little bit different to what they are today so that we can um, build this idea of diversity of thought into our decision making. And then the second part was that the world over, and it was happening in New Zealand as well and still is today, is that there is a connection issue. And what happens is when a board appoints new directors, the existing directors ask around their networks. It's only natural, right? We all do it in our own networks and our own networks are pretty similar to us. And that is one of the reasons why the boards out there are pretty homogenous in terms of like demographic. And so it was get more people that are a bit different and also find a way to connect them in and get them in the orbit of directors today. So that was what I was piecing together when I started to like design what this could possibly look like. You know, and the observation around boards would be, it used to be people would go, well, we need someone who knows finance. Yeah. We need someone who knows some law maybe. Yeah. And someone mm-hmm. who's been involved in company operations. And, you know, maybe those are three areas that were especially in kind of areas around engineering and uh, technology, male dominated. <laughs> and so you ended up with three dudes called Kevin or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was thought to be a good ball. Yeah. And there is a place for Kev. Yeah. You know, oh, like, there is yeah. a place for Kev. Yeah. But we want that sort of like different and yeah. diverse people as well. And we laugh about it in a kind of a lighthearted way. And just to be clear, never ever want to criticise those amazing the people Kevins, with, yep. Kevins <laughs> with so much experience, you know, yeah. because they, they, yeah. they've worked so hard to get there and they mm. bring a huge amount. And actually th- those Kevins have been our biggest supporters. <laughs> they've been, got to- open minds and have welcomed the, the programme. So, yeah, mm. don't want to <laughs> just don't. Yeah, but like it is so important to, um, you, you, you know, have, as you say, diversity of thought in these spaces. Yeah. Um, what what kind of things have you put together or how did you go about getting on board off the ground from that first idea? Mm. So I was coming at it from the learner perspective and I at the time had zero governance experience, which is quite wild when I was building a governance program. And still, I'm still on that journey. I'm still early in my career in that in that perspective. So I did a lot of consultation with a lot of investor directors out there and a lot of independent directors. Some like rattled me quite a lot, said that this would never fly. Like, why would people want learners in the room? And that just fired me up even more. <laughs> so yeah, you don't want to you don't want to say you can't do something to Cassie. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and then had a bunch of really supportive uh, investor directors that helped me craft what because it has to be a win win. So that's that's the critical part of the program. So it's learning for an observer, and maybe just to to say what an observer actually mm-hmm. is. They're an additional member to the board. They are there to sit in and listen, and the board might invite them to contribute in places. Like they can they can share their views, but the board shouldn't rely on anything that they're saying. And there's you know it should be minuted correctly and all and all the rest of it. So. Um, for a board to have an observer in the room, they they want somebody that's highly relevant. They want um, somebody that can bring something that the other directors don't have. So that's the win for the board. And then the win for the individual who's getting paired with the host board is on this big development journey. So they're doing the classroom part of the onboard program and they're doing the um, observership role for a year. So it was really putting all of that together and making sure that I did a lot of sharing out and about in the market to make sure that this was going to work for everyone. 
Awesome. And we'll be back in a moment with Sophie and Cassie to hear how they've built on board and their latest piece of research. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. And we're back with Cassie McAdams and Sophie McLernan from On Board. So how did you kind of get started? I did think carefully about whether I should actually share this. I don't think I've told anyone <laughs> this in the past, but as noted, I did a lot of consultation with investors and one of those was Blackbird, the um, wonderful group of people based here in New Zealand now. And they were doing their first ever Sunrise Conference here and they said, Onboard totally aligns with this. Why don't you come along and we'll give you a 10-minute slot? And I thought, holy moly, okay, <laughs> right, 300 people in the audience, just the audience I want, bunch of operators, investor directors, you know, this is perfect. But I actually didn't have anything. All I had was t- all these conversations and my in my head this design of the program, but just didn't want to miss up the opportunity. So, yeah, just jumped on up there and talked about the program that was happening. We've got 10 hosts for a pilot year. <laughs> Applications are opening in a couple of weeks. Just pretty much sold smoke and mirrors to this like enormous conference centre of people. And after that, I had to do it. It would have been suicide <laughs> if it had fallen over. So, yeah, that really um, kicked me into action. Yeah, the big secret. You obviously had enough of it kind of coming together. You were able to then pull it all. But there must be so many people who stand up at things and go, we're about to do this. And then you're like, oh, well, yeah. gosh, I guess we'd better do it now. Probably Cassie's second work found ethic to. and her ability to pump things out just like blows my mind as a quick aside on that one. How did you get involved, Sophie? Yeah. um, So when I was working in the Wynyard Quarter at The Generator, speaking to those two people from NZGCP, um, one of the guys introduced me to Cassie and it was actually when Cassie was running her first cohort, the one that, you know, she just said she was looking for people for. So (laughs) I applied for it and I got shortlisted and I was like, this is an incredible program, you know. So um, Onboard is a um, it's a tech program. However, we often have a couple of wildcards each year. And so for that year, um, they had a bra company, which was great. And so I met with the um, chair at the time. She was like, I'd love to, you know, take on two observers, yourself and someone else. Um, let me go back to the board and see if we can do that. Would you believe it? I didn't get the role because they wanted diversity on the board, you know, a a board for all of females. They needed a male. Um, And then to the other point of that as well is actually the other thing that boards are thinking about when taking on an observer is what skill set do they need, right? Like what's that skill matrix that they're looking at? Um, And my background was kind of offshore, go to market, building new markets. And the guy that they took on, his um, 
background was direct consumer here in New Zealand. And the board had decided that their strategy was to really double down on direct consumer. So I'd gone through this and I'd sort of gone, this is an amazing program. I totally want to be involved. And to that point earlier of, you know, there are some people you just meet in your life and you're like, I really rate and respect that person. And I want to work with them. You know, in the back of your mind, something starts kind of percolating. You're like, some way, somehow, I'm going to find a way to like <laughs> track her down and like. And I thought, what is up with this chick? <laughs> <laughs> she just won't go away. Won't so go then, away. <laughs> and no. then the second one was when I was at NZTE, and you know, one of the lockdowns, one of the three or four lockdowns had happened, and had some spare time, and I was kind of looking at what was it that was holding back consumer and um, FMCG companies in New Zealand, and and one of them was governance. And so I went to Cassie again, hey, hey it's me again, <laughs> you know, um, can we white label your product and we can we kind of move across verticals? So we'll have a tech sector, we'll have a consumer sector, and, and we kind of, Cassie was up for it, and we started sort of, again, having consultations with, with companies and with people who were, um, you know, could have been real, really great supporters of that. And where we actually landed in the end was actually let's stick to our knitting, you know, let's stay firmly in the tech sector and let's just try and build on what we're doing and kind of elevate that. And and I think we're really well on our way to doing so. So what does the offering look like today? Yeah, cool. So um, Onboard is an as an organisation, is working towards building a um, pipeline of diverse and different directors in the tech sector. So we have our Lighthouse Initiative, and that's that one-year programme that Cassie spoke to earlier. It's got an observership on a leading tech board, and then it's got this kind of um, supporting programme below it, which is four quarterly workshops on governance fundamentals over the year. Um, There's self-directed learning, And then there is also these sort of lunch and learn sessions that we have over the year, of which it's kind of things that are keeping directors up at night. And in the tech industry where you're focused, you've recently done a bit of research, hey, around kind of the actual... um, issues, which you've, you must have known and, uh, you know, had a feeling that these were the issues, right? But the fact that it's an industry that's still growing, it's only a couple of generations in, the people who are involved, it might be their first time being directors. It means this is even more needed, right? But also, there's even less knowledge to draw from, yeah. <laughs> less experience. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's this is a cute little catch twenty two, right? It is. And what came across loud and clear in the report was first time founders and CEOs have yeah they're learning on the fly, and it's they're very very busy people. And governance can be a big time suck if you're just thinking about some of the core things that have to happen, like preparing a board pack. And so even that basic stuff. Um, is just extra effort to learn about and there's not a lot of ways that they can get that done really effectively and efficiently. And we sort of as a duo realised that there's just not a lot of, as you say, information out there for public, private private companies, sorry, obviously they're, they're private versus are listed companies that are ring fence on a specific exchange and they have to share a lot of information for regulatory reasons. So that's why we see all the diversity figures on listed company boards. Um, and I think at best we get information in the private sector and a subset of the private sector growth companies, scaling, quickly growing companies uh, for the split of capital deployed between males and females for gender. And so we thought actually... There's so many more insights that we could grab at a board level, 
that might be useful to people out there. And I think we're in a good position to do that because we've worked so hard to gain everyone's trust. We've worked with them over four years now. And so our first um, effort into creating some insights was this uh, survey that we set out. It must have been a couple of months ago now. Ecosystem-wide, we had a really good mix of people responding, all different director seat types, lots of females and males. And yeah, just got some really good insights on what people's experiences are out there on the board, what's happening that's really good and what's happening that's not so good. And so we're in the process of pulling together a report on that, probably release it in the next month or so to share yeah, what everyone's seeing and, and give some give some people share ideas on what could be done differently. And when you talk about this kind of diversity of thought that's yeah. required, it doesn't just mean getting a, another woman who's an accountant on when uh-huh. you've got three accountants, right? Like, that's exactly tell us right. what you mean by the, the diversity of thought. Yeah, so that's what, that is what we focus on rather than diversity full stop. And this is the idea that people bring to the table the culmination of many things, not just what they look like in a photograph, not just their gender and their ethnicity, for example. So it's all of their background, skills, experiences, culture, uh, and it means that that's the perspective that they contribute. And what will enhance a group's ability to increase its like, diversity of thought around the table and enhance its decision-making is on a case-by-case basis because it depends on who's in that group. And so we try and be an inclusive program because of because of that. It's down to what the board is seeking. Um, we don't have a specific cutoff for gender, for example. Uh, and the interesting thing about diversity of thought is it's most impactful where there's really complex decision-making and uncertainty, which screams startups right <laughs> that is it in a nutshell and yeah that's that's a lot of thinking that I don't know if you've come across Lloyd Mander before great yeah thought leader on this in New Zealand definitely worth looking up um yeah so that's that's what what we work around yeah I've got this little like kind of x I'm grinding at the moment around <laughs> um around startup boards and yeah. that there's so many now after the first couple of generations of startups, so many people who understand um, hardware and software and SaaS and scaling and operations and finance and all of these things. And they're often found through boards. But there is, in my observation, a real lack of people who have brand marketing or design experience. And a lot of these companies do have, you know, selling things to people, Mm -hmm. building a name in the community and having, you know, design of their products or, 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 you know, physical or software or whatever uh, is part of it. And it feels to me like that would be a real opportunity for a lot of startup boards that may have a uh, male-female diversity problem as well to bring more women onto their boards as there are so many women leaders who have run brands, run marketing and run design across all kinds of industries. And maybe it's about those individuals working on their own branding to frame it up as a strategy, you know, as a strategy thing that they bring to the table because it is, it absolutely mm. is. And, um, and maybe also... It could be down to stage as well. And because, as I said, what each board needs is totally on a case-by-case basis. The existing directors are going to be looking for what their gaps are and what the, what is coming up for the company in the relatively short term and what the challenges and opportunities are there. And potentially, it would be interesting to look into, maybe um, brand and marketing strategy individuals could have a 
strong place on maybe an earlier stage board because often they are like quite product or technical tech heavy uh, and so they wouldn't have that guidance elsewhere in the organization whereas maybe later stage companies would have that in their like exec leadership team they might be ahead of doing that function already so yeah that could be one to like look down the trail of yeah mate maybe and like mm. you know um <laughs> like it's kind of um it's such an interesting space where you know often boards kind of mirror a lot of the kind of key functions of a business um, where you'll have someone who's like an explicit mentor on the board to people who are inside the company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the whole brand and marketing thing seems to have fallen out of so many um, startup and growth companies. But yeah, like, and 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 if that kind of diversity of thought, you know, there'll, there'll be heaps of people listening who, you know, probably are really interested in governance, but may not have seen themselves as being a person who can go to governance because maybe you feel like you need to have had a big success or maybe you feel like you need to have been part of three or four big companies mm. or run a massive team. But that's not the case. Hey, like, you know, that there's skills that can be learned, practices that you can get better at, and you your your role of not being old and wizened may have, <laughs> in itself be a benefit, right? Totally. How can they get involved? I think... Yeah, it's about identifying what you really bring to the table and then finding a place, a home for those. And we know that these roles are by referrals. I think there's there's a lot of pressure on the board to have a diverse group of people. And that's because they want to make be making good decisions. So diversity of thought is critical. And by proxy, that often means a diverse group of people. And, the, and there's pressure from the share, they, they need to perform well for the company on behalf of the shareholders, do the best they can. And so they need the right people in the room. So all of the, the responsibility goes there. But I think the individual can also do a lot to bring themselves into that realm of the, the individual directors. can apply for onboard. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, we know that the directors are currently taking referrals for the roles. And so how can that individual get into that referral realm of a company that might need them? And I think it's just leveraging the wider network uh, to get at the heads up that the the role's going because they're not listed anywhere typically. And then getting somebody that can potentially influence on your behalf, like toss your name into the ring. Um, and then be really clear, I think, on pseudo-governance experience. I think a lot of people might get written off really quickly because they don't have actual core governance experience. So maybe thinking about, you know, have you advised a management team or a CEO? Um, Have you prepared board reports? Or do you have really great governance experience, but it's a different type of organization, like a not-for-profit or a a charity? And make sure that you can articulate that in a really compelling way and say why it's important, just so it's not a reason to get um, put to the bottom of the, the pile. How can people get involved in on board? Both if you're like a company going, boy, we could use um, <laughs> some different perspectives <laughs> or, or I would like to support this mission. And if you're a person who might be interested in governance. Yeah, well, we, we welcome anyone to reach out. Um, you can catch Cassie and I both on LinkedIn or, or through our emails or on the website. Um, as an individual the applications are actually opening in September. And so we welcome anyone to apply, right, at any stage. Like we love, we get about 150 applications every year. So it's a lot of reading, but we love reading the applications, right? We want to understand like why governance is important to you. 
what you've done, what your skill set is, what you can bring to the table. And to Cassie's point, like these are the things that you should be starting to think about anyway. Um, and then we've got our host board so that the host boards come to us in a couple of ways. Um, it can either be via our venture capital partners. So we, we, we're really deeply entrenched in the ecosystem and we're so thankful to all of our, you know, kind of community partners because they enable us to, to do on board. Um, so yes, yeah, so we get the host boards from there, but you can also reach out directly as well. And kind of every year we do about, um, about 20 to 25 people through each cohort. Uh, and we also take scholarships too. So if someone within your organization that you've been championing, if you want to put them forward, that you can come and talk to us. Um, maybe this is a good opportunity for me to just quickly call out our sponsors because um, Onboard wouldn't really be possible without them, you know. So they've been with us. Uh, we've got our founding partners who have been with us since the beginning. So New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, NZTE, uh, New Zealand Growth Capital Partners, NZGCP, Callaghan Innovation and DLA Piper. Um, and, and actually because of them, we've been able to hire our first employee this year, which is amazing. We're so stoked about that. Uh, and then we have our delivery partners, so the Institute of Directors and Amanda Miller that run the workshops, and then a couple of real key individuals which have been with us since the beginning, Deborah Hall and Naomi Merrick. Um, and they've just been like incredible soundboards. They've been there to kind of review things, talk us through them, and they just really care deeply about diversity of thought as well. So it really is like a community program and we're so thankful to that. So yeah, it really is kind of if if anyone's got any interest in any capacity, reach out because as you can tell, Cassie and I love to chat. <laughs> and so <laughs> we welcome a conversation. <laughs> yeah, love it. And what's some of the impact you've been able to deliver with that kind of crew together? So we have had, um, we're in our fourth cohort and we've had over 500 people apply. 68 people have completed the program. And um, from that, 78% come from underrepresented groups, whether that be um, gender, ethnicity, sexuality. Um, and then 71% have gone on to secure a governance role since then. So, you know, that's a really great stat that we're just so proud of. Um, we got a call from a woman a couple of months ago and she was um, the COO at Aroa Biosurgery, so like a large listed um, tech company here in New Zealand. And she was interested to get into governance, but she startup governance, but she didn't know how. And it was kind of this chicken and the egg problem, right? Because she needed experience to get the role and then there was sort of nothing that catered to what she actually needed in the market. And so she went through our program and at the end of that, got offered an official role as a director on a um, another leading tech startup company. And that actually gave her the confidence to quit her job and decide that she actually wanted to go after a career full-time in governance. So, you know, it's stories like that that are just so, you know, Cassie and I kind of, we chatted after that. We're like, wow, it's really having an impact, you know? And then I, I guess on the broader scale, if you think about it, like the tech sector in New Zealand um, is, you know, people are saying that by 2029 it'll be the largest export. And for every tech role that is created in New Zealand, an additional five roles are created from that. So there's kind of this wider impact too back to kind of the New Zealand economy. So it sort of starts with one person on one board, but there's that ripple effect. 
that comes with that. It's so cool. It's kind of bringing forward maybe, you know, it might have been another 10 or 15 years for a lot of these people to move into that. And by speeding up our ecosystem maturity on that kind of timeline, it's an amazing thing to be able to do. Yeah, we're pretty proud of ourselves. Yeah. And we know, we know it's working well because directors are reaching out saying, hey, who's been through your program? This is what I'm looking for. Can you recommend anyone? And yeah, we usually can. And the the program is a really deep, narrow offering. As Sophie said, we are, you know, 25 people in the cohort per year. So we're not sort of spreading ourselves thin. Our goal is to go really hard with a set of people and get that conversion into governance roles, you know, high. Acknowledging that this is a, a you know, a build over a career. Like we don't expect people to go out and immediately be able to secure an independent director seat, but they are certainly securing other um yeah, other observer roles or building their way up to it. What advice would you have for anyone who does spot a problem in an industry? And it's been a pretty big and intractable <laughs> problem for a long time. And it's so cool to have gone in and built that coalition of companies and, and supporters to help, help you make this possible. And then come up with the course material, get the double-sided marketplace going. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge thing to do. What advice would you have to someone who does see a problem and starts to think, maybe I could start to help solve this? Yeah, I think what served me well is just being humble. You know, I knew heaps of it from the learner perspective, but I didn't know about governance. So I think just going to people and saying, hey, this is what I reckon. What do you think? Can you give me a shove in the right direction or otherwise and asking for that help? And I think yeah, you're not going to know everything. So looking to others who can support you has um, been critical here. And I think making sure that you're genuinely passionate about something. So for me, I'm passionate about the tech sector and we've talked about that at length here. I'm like interested in governance, but actually what I'm passionate about is people and giving people opportunities and helping them develop themselves. And I think probably shows through pretty strongly. So I wouldn't recommend that people <laughs> spot something on the periphery of their lives and give it a whirl. I think you have to be deep. You have to be deep and motivated. Awesome. And as a final thought, what will success be for on board and for you two personally? Oh, yeah. I reckon for on board, you know, it would be so cool if we were made redundant. Yeah. You know, people don't need a program to have these wonderful people as observers and to, if, if, Directors truly care about diversity of thought in their room. They will um, appoint board-ready first-timers and commit to mentoring them, or they will get observers and then they'll appoint them, appoint them when they're ready. So hopefully that will just be the way things work and we won't need the program. But we are like hot on the chase yeah. of many other <laughs> things in relation to this space that we reckon we can add value and solve some problems or, or respond to an opportunity. So we are going to be a little bit of a evolving initiative. Yeah, I think we'll kind of have that onboard umbrella and hopefully we'll have our lighthouse program underneath that and um, watch this space. We're working on another couple of initiatives as well. Well, love, love your work. It's so cool. <laughs> and thank you so much for coming and sharing it today and can't wait to see where you take onboard next. And yeah, the, the, the benefits that then flow through to the boards and the ecosystem. Thank you for joining us. That's Cassie McAdams and Sophie McLennan. Tēnā kōrawa. Thanks, Simon. Simon. So thank you to Sophie and Cassie, to you for listening and for everyone who helps make this happen, like our producer, Samuel Robinson. Do follow Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts and rate and leave a review if you like what we do. Tēnā
from the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Kia ora e te iwi, Tiaihe Butler here, Podcast Manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.